Gospel of John chapter 17. We'll read the first five verses, but our focus this morning will come from verse 4. And our title for our time together this morning, Completers, not Quitters. Completers, not Quitters. In the Gospel of John chapter 17, these words spake Jesus, and he lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. But Dave Gardner, would you lead us in a word of prayer, please? Amen. Again, in John chapter 17, verse 4, Jesus said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou hast given me to do. There is a participle that ties the statement, I have glorified thee on the earth, to the statement that I have completed the work. In other words, the response of Christ completing the work that God had given him to do is that God then was glorified. I noticed that Jesus said, I have completed. I have finished that work. I didn't quit. I didn't go part way. I didn't uh, pick and choose what parts. But Father, the work you gave me to do, I have finished it. I remember when I was a young boy growing up in uh, Fremont, California, uh, Memorial Missionary Baptist Church had made a, uh, a policy uh, long before I came around that any of the youth group that ever wanted to go to church camp, that Memorial Missionary Baptist Church would pay their way to camp. Well, when I came along, Dad said, yes, I know that policy's there, and, and I appreciate the church doing that, but son, uh, I want you to learn a principle. So you're not going to go on the church's dime. You're going to earn your way to camp. Now he said, true enough, the church may actually write the check that allows you to go to camp for the week, but here's what you will do. You will go and mow the church grounds every time they need to be mowed, and you will get Basically, monopoly money. <laughs> and at the end of the year, then, you can turn that monopoly money back into the church, and they will pay your way to church. Now, the church had already made a motion. They were going to pay my way, but Dad was wanting to teach me uh, the, the lesson of, of working hard and, and, and achieving something and accomplishing something. And i just be honest with you. I, I understand it's a generational thing, maybe, and, and it may sound old school, but I am so thankful my dad instilled that in me. Not to have the idea that everybody just owes me to go to camp, all right? And I had to learn, even as a young boy slightly older than, than Trevor is now, that if I wanted something, then I needed to try and earn that. Now, I tell that story for this reason. The church there at Fremont, California had the immediate grassy area that was right around the church, and it didn't take 10 minutes to mow all that. But behind the church building there was about an acre and a half of, of grass. And when I say grass, I don't mean, well, manicured lawn. I mean just grass of weeds and, and everything. And if you know anything about California this time of the year, you know that they have a problem with fires. And so we didn't mow it every week, but it had to be mowed pretty often. Now, the church didn't have a riding lawnmower. Now, what 
what dad did do is he went and bought one of the big wheeled mowers and, and give me that much of an advantage. But when I was a young boy pushing that big wheeled mower over an acre and a half or so of grass seemed like a, an, a, a job that was just, you know, larger than life. And I would go to bed the night before dreading it. You ever went to bed the night before dreading something that was going to happen the next day? Man, I was dreading it. I would think about how many miles I was going to have to walk around that acre and a half of grass. And I'd think about all the, uh, the sweating, and, and, and I would see all my friends. They would be out doing this or that and the other, and here I was mowing the grass and, and how much work it was. And, and I would dread it that night before, and sometimes wouldn't even sleep well, just dreading having to go and do that. That night when it was all over with and I'd go to bed, I would be so tired. Because, see, I would do that, and then I'd go ahead and go play football or whatever I was doing with my friends. But I remember when I would get through making that last lap and putting the lawnmower up, and I could walk out to the, to the edge of our property, and I could look at the church building, and there was the pretty green grass that was just cut and looked so nice. And I could look behind at that acre and a half of grass, and it was short, and there was that sense of satisfaction. I have accomplished something. It took a lot of work. It took some sacrifice. I didn't go to go do everything I wanted to go and do that day. But there was that sense of, look, this is something that, that, that I have been able to achieve. I've shared with you before that Christ spoke of that, or Paul spoke on behalf of Christ, if you will, uh, along that same idea in the book of Philippians when he describes Christ's attitude towards uh, the coming to this earth and setting aside the glories of heaven and taking upon himself the, the outward expression of flesh and of a servant and that because of the joy of accomplishing the Father's plan, he pushed on and he went ahead and, and, and he made the sacrifices. Why? to accomplish what the Father had asked him to do. And now in his priestly prayers, he says, Father, I, I've done what you've asked me to do. Now it is true that the work was not completed yet, but there was nothing, listen to me now, there was nothing that was going to stop him at this point. It was as good as already done. I, I just wonder, faith, not judgmental, not trying to convict anybody or to cast any doubt or, or, or anything upon anybody. But let me just ask you this. Can God count on us like that? That yes, there's things yet for us to do, but it's almost as if it is as good as already done because we are that faithful to what he asks of us. You know, the Bible talks about that day when we all will stand before the Lord and that desire to hear him say, well done. Good job. You have done what I've asked you to do. Paul talks about that in the book of 2 Timothy when he says, you know, I've, came to the end, I've come to the end of my life and, and in fact, he says, as if it were a drink offering being poured out on the altar of sacrifice, he said, my life's blood is already being poured out. The time of my departure is at hand. It is so close I could reach out and touch it. The process that will end in my death has already begun. 
but there was a satisfaction and contentment in the voice of Paul. Why? I have run the course. I have accomplished that which he's asked of me to do. There is an amount of not pride, uh, sinful pride, but that amount of satisfaction in knowing that I have spent my life in service to him. As we heard this weekend in that Samson show in Branson, the idea of to become free and to be totally free and to experience the freedom that we can experience. It's not by being born in these United States. It's not guaranteed or, or, or secured by a, a, a document. But for humanity to be truly free, they must be captives to him. Jesus said, I have completed, Father. I didn't quit. I'd like to call your attention this morning to a few things. Number one, an assigned work. Jesus said, I, I completed, Father. I did not quit an assigned work. I, I, want, you to, I want you to understand this morning that, 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 that Christ was not given a desired goal. He was not given an a, 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 a idea of, of, of something to, to be accomplished and then sent and said, figure it out. In fact, the Bible tells us that before the foundations of the world, by the predeterminate counsel of God, right? By the predeterminate counsel of God, that there was a work that Christ was going to do. It was a planned work. It was a work that was assigned to him. Nobody else could do it. The angels were not assigned, only Christ. And Christ wasn't here then to become a freelance artist or to figure it out or to muddle his way through. He was not here uh, uh, like uh, you hear people talk about football games and, and you go in at halftime and you make adjustments. Let me tell you, there was no adjustment needed to this plan, to this work that Christ was sent to do. He, he was not here to, 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 to uh, you know... Uh, just fly by the seat of his britches and react to the things of the world. The Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. There was an assigned work for him to do. And it wasn't him to have to figure it out. It had already been determined. This is what you will do and this is how you will go about doing it. God in his infinite wisdom had assigned the work. Now you might ask that work, what is that work? Well, it was not a singular work. Specifically and immediately, Christ is talking about the cross. But there was much more work involved in what God had asked of the Son. The Father had asked of the Son to reveal Himself to humanity. It is true, you can, as you've heard me say before, look at creation and know that there is a God that exists. But you don't know a lot about that God. And it is true then that you can pick up the written word and you can begin to learn and, and study and understand the, the character and the, the nature of that God and, and, and how that God thinks about this or that and the other. 
But if you want to know God and the best way to know God, it's look at his son. Look at his son. In his son, you find out that God is so much love that he went to the social outcast that nary another religious person in the world would go to. And you learn that God truly loves. To know that God is a God of forgiveness, you can read it in the written word. But as you see him interacting with his disciples and he's telling them, guys, the day is very soon approaching that I'm going to die. And they're sitting back there mumbling amongst themselves, hoping he doesn't hear them. Who's going to take over when he's gone? So self-centered and so self-focused and and so greedy and hungry for fame and and, and position and title and, and superiority over others that they do not even realize that Jesus has just told them he's about to die. And yet, his patience and his forgiveness and his loving spirit. You can read that God is power, but when you see Jesus walk up to a man that was born blind and says, receive your sight. And the guy now can see. Christ came to reveal The Father, so that you and I would know who He is. Now, why is that so important? When heartache comes our way, when difficulty comes our way, when when things in life happen and and families go through what families go through, uh, our family right now is going through things. Your family either is or has been or will be. Isn't it nice to know that God is a God of tremendous power? And nothing is too... Boy, that was awful weak. Are y'all asleep or do you believe that God is a God of tremendous power? But you don't understand what's going on. I, I don't. Perhaps that's because we don't trust each other enough to share with one another and, and have that family spirit and that family atmosphere where we are not thin-skinned and where we, we have confidence to talk to somebody and, and know that they're not going to judge us and they're not going to go out and spread it all over creation. But rather, rather what they'll do is they'll love us and they'll pray with us and they'll pray for us and they'll encourage us. But isn't it wonderful to know that There is a God in heaven that there's absolutely nothing impossible with. Because you know what? I have my limitations. Brother Brian can come to me and say, Brother Brother Jeff, uh, my family is going through this. I've got this situation at work. Uh, There's this and that and the other. And, and, And there's a limit to what I can do. But there's no limit to what God can do. And Jesus reveals that about him part of Christ's work was to reveal the father and I want you to hear what Jesus said Jesus said father I finished that work all of humanity can know who you are by watching me and by seeing me he came to reveal the father he came to fulfill the law not fulfill 80% of the law not fulfill, you know, we as Christians today, we, we, well, if we fulfill 66%, that is, we go to two out of three services, is that enough? 
Jesus didn't fulfill 66% of the law. He didn't fulfill 80% of the law. He didn't fulfill 98% of the law. Jesus fulfilled every jot and every tittle of the law of Moses. And I'm not talking about Ten Commandments. I'm talking about five books worth of law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Five books of law. And he fulfilled every principle and every precept of it. I've done what you've asked me to do, Father. Was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. Was there sacrifice involved? Yes, there was tremendous sacrifice. And we ain't even got to the cross yet. We hadn't even touched on the beatings and the, 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 the mockings. Uh, just the sacrifice of leaving heaven to come and robe himself in flesh. Do you understand that? The creator set aside the glories of being creator and took upon himself that of the created. Uh, that, that's, that doesn't happen. Nobody outside of God would do that. Of course, there are no other creators, but... The sacrifices, yeah, they were great, but I made them. I fulfilled the law. I, I, I revealed the Father. You, you sent me, Father, to seek and to save that which was lost. I, 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 I know you've heard me say this several times lately, but I, I'll disagree with a lot of our Calvinist brethren, quote-unquote. He didn't come to seek and to save a select few of humanity he came to search out every single sinner and to offer to every single sinner the plan of salvation and the choice to be saved and to every single last one of them that would accept it he saved every one of them regardless of who they were what title they held what position they were regardless if their skin was white black yellow pink polka dotted it doesn't matter Regardless if they were prostitutes or tax collectors or the elite religious leaders of the day, he came as a job to seek and to save all that would be. And Jesus said, Father, I've accomplished that. Obviously, Jesus already knew. I've shared with you in the last few weeks, probably Christ has already seen the mob coming out of the temple. Marching out of Caiaphas's house, across the top of that mountain and down the valley, and back up to the Mount of Olives. He's seen that. We're not talking about miles of distance here. He knows what's going to happen. That's why he said, Father, the hour has come. The cross was as good as completed. I have done, Father. Make no mistake about it, the man Jesus did not want this. The man Jesus dreaded this far greater than any dread you and I ever had of what awaited us tomorrow. I, I've prayed with so many that were facing a serious surgery and they're just they're filled with dread for what tomorrow holds and uncertainty. Please understand, Jesus knows what that's like. He dreaded the idea of the cross. He knew the pain. He knew the agony. He knew that there would be that brief moment in time where he would have to call God by some other name other than Father because for that brief moment in time, weighted down with all the sins of all humanity, the Father would turn his back upon his son. 
He dreaded it. There was tremendous sacrifice. I have completed the assigned work. It was an assigned work. It was an accepted work. Again, I'll not meet you halfway, Father. I'll not go and reveal you and fulfill the law and, and, and do all this and then stop short of the cross. Any of us ever stop short of what God asks of us? Just stop short? Father, I, I, I'm not going to quit on you. I'm not going to pick and choose the parts I want to do. Father, you have set forth for me a work, and I accept it as my work now. It's your work, but I accept it as being given to me with the understanding that there will be that day when I will stand before you now, accountable for that work. I accept the work, and I accept the consequences of whether I do the work or don't do the work and how I do the work. I accept that. All that is involved in this. Had he not accepted it, he wouldn't have completed it. I accept your work. It was an assigned work. It was an ex, ex, uh, accepted work. It was an accomplished work. Jesus said, I've done it. They know you, Father, by me. What do you mean, Philip? Show us the Father. Have I been with you that long? You've seen me. You've seen the Father. I've done that. Every law of Moses pointed to a supreme sacrifice that would not just cover over the sins of humanity, but by the blood of the Lamb of God would erase and eradicate sin. I've done that. I fulfilled the law. I've died. On a cross. It was your work. I accepted it. And I accomplished it. So then Jesus says. There was an honor given. You father. Have received honor and glory. The opinion of, of, of God has been elevated. The understanding of who he is has been, has been displayed in such a way that, that people stand and they look and they say, I, I appreciate, I, I value him greatly now, even more so than I did before. Now, I've said all that this morning to make a very quick application for you and I. Just as surely, and please hear me this morning, just as surely as God had already, in his predeterminate counsel, had already divine, uh, devised the work for his son to do, please understand this faith missionary Baptist church and every single child of God here this morning, so it is true for you and I. We're not freelance artists. 
We're not fly by the seat of our britches. We're not make it up as we go. It's not halftime and we're in the locker room and the coach is giving us a halftime speech and an adjustment to those things that we need to do to address this oncoming rusher here or to make sure that this receiver gets open. Listen, we don't need any adjustments. We don't need to have another book written on what the work is. We don't need a diagram to show us the work. The work has been has already been determined in the predeterminate counsel the word of the will of God and now it is revealed in the word of God we just got to go to work y'all it's that simple just go to work all week long I've been singing the same old 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 hymn will work till Jesus comes real easy to sing isn't it you hear the tune and what do you do automatically We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work. But then we get in our lives and we'll say, well, we'll work. Except for when I have to do this and when I want to do this and when this is, is, is an op uh, option for me. I was driving back yesterday from Branson and I, I get lots of notifications on my, my phone from this and that and the other, news agencies and all this and that and the other, weather and stuff like that, get all kinds of notifications. There was one that came across my phone and it said this, most citizens of the United States still cling to God but are abandoning church under the opinion that attending church is kind of like the optional rental car insurance. Now it's easy for us to say, no, it ain't that bad yet. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We'll work as long as something else doesn't come up. We'll work as long as it doesn't cost too much. We'll work as long as there's no accountability and no commitment needed. That's not the song I grew up singing. The song I grew up singing was, We'll work till Jesus comes. And then what? Then we'll be gathered home. Y'all, we got all eternity to rest up. If, if you're afraid you're going to get tired, you've got years that you can't begin to understand because none of us can fully grasp eternity. we got eternity to rest and recover. Guys, we don't, we don't have to worry about trying to figure out what the work is and how to accomplish the work. And for all of those in our religious world today that says, well, the work has changed because... The generations have changed. Society has changed. We sit in air-conditioned buildings and they didn't used to. We face specifics that maybe they did not. But let me tell you something. Man has been sinful since the days of the Garden of Eden and they're still sinful. And the only way to deal with that is still the cross of Calvary. Always has been. Always will be. 
and God's predetermined plan from before the foundations of the world is he would offer salvation through his son and the cross and everyone who would accept that salvation would begin the process of being conformed to the image of his son. That's not new. That has been from the very beginning and even before there was a beginning. And it's not changed. Paul didn't say uh, in, in the book of... Uh, uh, oh, I just went blank. <laughs> Present yourselves, therefore, as a living sacrifice unto God. Somebody help me. Was that Romans or Corinthians? Anybody remember? Look it up later. I promise you it's there. I encourage you, therefore, book of Romans. There it is, book of Romans. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. He didn't say, I, I encourage you to do that in this generation. He didn't say, I encourage you to do that in this particular culture. He didn't say, I encourage you to do that once you reach the age of 60 or as long as you're over the age of 20. He said, if you're 10 years old and you're a child of God, if you're 50 years old and you're a child of God, if you are this, if you're that, if you're white, if you're black, if, you're, if, you're, if you are a child of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice unto him. It's been God's plan from the word go. It's our work. Let's not try to figure out how to reinvent the wheel. Let's just go to work. Let's, let's, let's just roll up our sleeves and get after it. Anybody that's wondering if this is a result of anything in Sunday school this morning, it's not. This has been, this is what being prepared long before this morning ever came around. We have an assigned work, y'all. We just got to get after it. How we get after it? Well, first thing you got to do is accept the work. Just accept it. God, this is what you ask of us. You know what? It's not all that different than... Christ's work is it now and now we can't die on the cross to save mankind but isn't our lives supposed to reveal to a lost world Christ to go and see other people and offer to share with them the love of Christ Are there risk? Yeah, there's risk. Are there challenges? Yeah, there's challenges. Are, are, there, are, 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 are there times where you're not going to want to? You don't feel like it? Are, are there times where, where it's going to require a sacrifice? Yes to all of that. But it is the work he's called us to do, and it is ours now to accept it and to roll up the sleeves and get after it and do it. Whether you stand behind the pulpit or you're on that side of the pulpit. Let me just get very real with you. The work doesn't stop once you get 65. You might retire from the secular world, but there's no retiring from Christ's work. There is no, listen, people talk to me about retiring. God called me to preach, and as long as there is breath within my being and, and, and ability to stand and to do that, there is no retiring from the work that God's called me to do. Now, there may come a day in which churches don't want me, but the work he's called me to do, you continue. I remember thinking when I was Trevor's age, 
Well, that, yeah, God expects that out of my daddy. He expects it out of the deacons. He expects it out of the Sunday school teachers. But God, God doesn't have a work for uh, an ideal, you know, group. If you can raise your hand this morning and say you are a born-again child of God, God's got to work for you. And it's a matter of now, will you accept it? Roll up your sleeves and get after it. Not 60%, not 80 but what he asks of you. Are there days where oxes get in the ditch? Definitely. Are there frustrations? Oh, you better know it. But y'all, we're running out of time. And the work's not getting any smaller. Jesus himself said, that relatively speaking, there would be few that would come to him, few that would accept him. Sometimes we talk about mission work, and, and we ought to. We ought to support men like Brother Glenn Knight to go to the Philippines. Because you know what? The Filipinos need Christ as their Savior. We ought to support men like Brother Williams to go down to Kenya, and Af Kenya Africa, and, and, and share the gospel because... People in Africa need the gospel. I don't care what old-time missionary Baptists say, Christ died for the people in Kenya, Africa, just as quick as he did for us Caucasian Americans. But you know what, y'all? I dare say there are several thousands in Arkadelphia that need Christ. We can sit around and we can do nothing and just wait for him to come or we can do what we sing that we do all the time. We'll work. There'll be sacrifice. There'll be heartaches. There'll be failures. That is the one difference between us and him working. He never failed. We'll have failures. And none of us want to fail. But if we're going to operate under the idea that we're afraid to fail, we stand in that same ground as the guy that Jesus looked at when he had taken the one talent and he dug in the earth and he hid the one talent and he came back to Jesus and said, here it is. I knew you were a hard man. I knew there was a day of accountability and I was afraid that I might fail. And I'm going to tell you very, very honestly what Jesus said to that man. You are a lazy, slothful, wicked servant. Y'all, we got to go to work. We got to go to work. Oh, that we could, at the end of the day, lay down and have that feeling of accomplishment because this day, God opened doors and we went through them. And God presented opportunities and we took advantage of them. If you think you were, we're going to see everybody that we ever talked to about Christ here, that's not going to happen. But along the way, as seed is planted, it brings forth fruit. We don't have to try to figure out what the work is. We don't have to figure out a game plan. We don't have to devise a means of accomplishing it. He's done all of that for us. 
And that's where sometimes if we're not careful, we become like Samson. You see, all the potential in the world, and I mean this, I'm, I'm dead serious, Faith. We have all the potential in the world to accomplish everything God wants us to do. But here's what we accomplish if we never accept the work and roll up the sleeves and get to it. Nothing. Nothing. Dad said, son, you want to go to camp? Go mow the church grounds. Earn dollars. And you can go to camp. The night before, friends would call, say, hey, we're going to the lake. You want to go swim? Well, I can't till after such and such time because I got to go in the morning and mow. Growing up in Fremont, California, we were about an hour away from the Oakland A's, and I used to love going and watching the Oakland A's play baseball. One of my favorite summertime activities. From time to time, friends would call. They had an extra ticket. You want to go? No, I can't go. A lot of now, I understand, sacrifices that really weren't that great of sacrifices. But if I would have dreaded and I'd have been afraid that I, I was going to fail and, and I never accepted the work and all of that, then the next day when the work would be accomplished, nothing gets done. The grass just keeps growing taller and the fire hazard goes up. Very simply this morning, is Faith Missionary Baptist Church, are we completers or are we quitters? And it's, it's all, it's all, y'all. Not pick and choose. Not, well, we'll, we'll, we'll excel in this area. No, 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 no. The entire scope of God's work must be accepted and accomplished. And what's at stake, y'all, if we don't, is his honor and glory. And God help that we never have to stand before him and say, you know, I lost honor and glory with Arkadelphia. While y'all were trying to figure out what to do, I'd already given it to you. You didn't accept it. And you didn't accomplish it. And I lost honor and glory. What a terrible, terrible thing to have to hear. When the potential's there for us to hear. Well done. You're a good and a faithful servant. Father, we come to you this morning. Break my heart, Father. From the complacency. From the notion that well we just live in difficult times and really all we can kind of do is just kind of hold on and hang in there till the end father help us as you helped your disciples and you you encouraged them said guys look yonder look out there do you see what i see I see fields that are white unto harvest and I see so few laborers. It saddens my heart that as you look across Arkadelphia this morning, you might say the same thing.
that the fields of Arkadelphia are white, ready to be harvested, but I have so few that have accepted my work and they've rolled up their sleeves and they've accomplished it. Now this is not meant to be a, a, a judgmental sermon or a, a beat up sermon, but it's meant to encourage us to just simply to do what we've sang for years. We'll work. We'll work. In fact, Father, I know we're planning to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus, but maybe we ought to just sing that for an invitation. We'll work. Father, help us. God, help us to roll up our sleeves and go to work. And we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Let's